the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffitt, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody. Whether you're a viewer or a listener, we're delighted to have you on this week's edition of The Kingdom and Its Stories. And just to remind you uh, what this podcast is about, it's about interviewing people who are allowing Jesus to use their hands and feet as his hands and feet to demonstrate his love to those that God brings them into contact with. And so uh, this week we have the privilege of um, meeting Chris Nye. And uh, and Chris, welcome. We're delighted to have you here. And uh, I just want to uh, to to give you an opportunity, if you would, to tell us a little bit about who is Chris Nye, so that those who are watching and listening can know a little bit about your background. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I you know I grew up in the church. Um, I grew up with a loving family. Grew up in Christian school all of my life, super shy kid, didn't talk to anybody, uh, hardly at all. I had, you know, two friends growing up, that, I, and I hardly talked to them. And, uh, you know, I just remember growing up, and, you know, I got saved at the age of five. And, um, but pretty much from age five to 16, it was, you know, just kind of struggled a lot. And um, I remember uh, there, there came a point in my life about 16 where um, I just came to the end of myself. I remember, you know, doing, uh, trying whatever I could to connect with God, and it seemed like whatever I tried to do, I just I couldn't see God anywhere. I couldn't connect mm. with Him or hear His voice. Mm. Um, I remember I would try to pray, and I would fall asleep. You know, I would try to hear God's voice. Um, I, I couldn't seem to hear Him. Uh, I, you know, I came to this point where I wasn't really interested in reading the Bible and, and just struggling a lot with sin and with the world. And, and it really came to this moment uh, in this season of my life where I was completely dead on the inside, completely just dry and mm. um, just, you know, never, never struggled, uh, you know, wondering if God was real, but just where is he? Like, why can't I connect with him? And then and I remember there came a moment um, when I got invited to this prayer gathering or a prayer conference and um, and the speaker that night began to talk about uh, something I'd never heard of before. You know, I'd grown up in the church, Christian school all my life. In a sense, I thought I'd heard it all, and I thought I knew it all. But that night, she began to speak about passion for Jesus and just, uh, you know, hunger and desperation for his presence. And 
you know, I never heard anything like that, but I, I just began to hear some amazing stories of, you know, uh, just young people about my age who would write things in their journal, like, you know, God, I, I long for your presence. You know, I, I, I crave your glory. You know, I, I long to walk through the hallways of my school and, and to have heads turn because they see the light that you put in me. Wow. You know, I, yeah. I want to love the unlovable, reach the unreachable. And I think there's something, something about that heartbeat that just began to awaken something in me. Mm. And I began to realize, oh my goodness, like, I think that's what I was created for. I mm. think that, that, you know, that's what I need. And so they gave an altar call at the end of this, this, this night. And it was a large church. Um, and they gave an altar call for young people, 25 and under. And I remember uh, being embarrassed because my family was there. Uh, I didn't know if I should go up. But then something inside of me said, you know, if I don't go up in, in this moment, I'm probably going to regret it for the rest of my life. Mm. So you, I, you recognize that then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so I remember going up. I didn't know what to expect, but I just got on my knees. I got on my face along with a bunch of other young people. In fact, the whole altar was, was filled with young people. And I just began weeping and just crying before the Lord and just crying out like, like, God, would you touch my heart? Would you awaken me? You know, would you uh, use me in this generation to to see revival? And, you know, I just I long for your presence. I need you. And so I just began to cry out to the Lord. And uh, I wasn't expecting that to happen, but I ended up crying for 20, 25 minutes. Snot was falling out of my nose. (laughs) um, But I just remember something changed in that moment. And, you know, I I got up from that that moment, and suddenly I could feel the presence of God for the first time. And suddenly I could see him everywhere, and I could hear his voice, and and he just became so real to me. Wow. That's... um... That, that's that's like a Damascus Road experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. <laughs> Contextualized for for Chris. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and I think that I think that's that's something that's so important. I think for each of us to know is that God has a, a personal way He wants to connect with us, a personal way that He wants to encounter us, and for us to encounter Him, and and He wants to do that for all of us. He wants to awaken uh, each of our hearts, you know, and, and I think I think sometimes. Um, it just he has to bring us sometimes to the the place where we come to the end of ourselves and and we're, mm-hmm. we really just begin to cry out to him like God, like I need you like whatever it takes, uh, whatever it looks like like I just have to have you I have to experience your heart your presence I have to hear your voice and there's just something about that hunger and that desperation that I think breaks something open and mm-hmm. I'll tell you the okay. way the way that it changed me was that I went from being the one of the shyest kids that that you'd ever met, that wouldn't talk to anybody, to, you know, months later, I'm asking the question, you know, I, I was in Christian school, uh, there's a, about 80 people at that school, and I'm asking the question, how can I go somewhere where, where people need Jesus? Like, how can I start to talk mm-hmm. to people about the love of God? It is almost like, you know, that, that fear was still there in some ways, but it was almost like this perfect, you know, that love of God began to override that fear to where, I, you know, I ended up going from a small Christian school of 80 to a large public school of 2,400 people. And I just right. began walking up to total strangers, never never learned how to share the gospel, but I just began just talking to them <laughs> about Jesus and, you know, asking to pray for them. and Talk about a transformation. Yeah. 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 Well, okay, so, so how did that experience lead to what you're doing now? And tell us what you're doing now. What What, you know, what is... 
what has God called you to and how did what you've just shared with us prove as a launching pad for what God has you doing now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there, there's almost like another part of the story. There's almost like a, what what the Lord did from that point, uh, from my high school, my college years, and then into the now. This is almost like a, a midway step that I, I, I'd love to share with you. Um, tell us. Tell us. So, so I went to my high school. Um, you know, I just started burning with this desire to see revival in, in, in my generation. And so I remember just a lot of mornings we'd get up, we'd get there early to school, sometimes with my mom, and we'd just start praying and just crying out for, for God to move on that campus. And um, and this is on public school campus? Public school, yeah. Um, you know, um, I mean— And your mom was praying with you? Yeah, at, at, different, mo- at different moments she would join me. Uh, I would invite friends to come out, and sometimes they would join— um, but you know, you know, when, when I encountered the Lord, one thing that was really significant is the Lord broke not only broke through that that dryness and that that emptiness in my heart, but He also broke off depression. He also broke off a lot of anxiety uh, that I had, you know, related to just girls, relationships, just in general, you know, um, just relating to people, and and just began to fill me with such a love. Uh, for for people around me to where I, I kind of forgot about myself and I, and and, I, and all I could see was was uh, God's heart for people and and all I could see a lot of times walking to my campus were were dead people walking past me every day you oh, know it, wow. just, it just broke my heart so much that I, I couldn't I couldn't live a normal life anymore like I, that all I could think about was that so many people were entering into eternity without God and. Um, so a lot of times, like I, I wouldn't be able to hang out with my family or even uh, with my with my friends because I would see someone and just like so much compassion would fill my heart that I would just leave the table and go hang out with them and just start oh, just sharing wow. sharing God's heart with them. And so, so for about two years, I was praying on that campus, just really longing to see God move. Um, you know, I never saw a revival on, on on my high school campus, but uh, but a few people really got touched by the Lord and and they got awakened to the love of Jesus. Well, and, there was revival. Yeah, yeah, some personal revival. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. know, um, but I think one thing the things I was praying for was really I want to see like like a, a large scale revival on my campus, you know? and so I didn't see that. But um, but I ended up going to Arizona State University, and um, and when I got there, um, the reason why I went there is is because I would go to these prayer meetings, and everywhere I went for like three or four different churches, I would I would have uh, you know a praying grandma would come up to me. And she would say, hey, you know, I don't know if you're thinking about college, but God showed me that revival is coming to Arizona State University, and I think you should go there. And so that would happen at one church, totally different church. I'd go there. Same thing would happen. And and about the third or fourth time, I'm like, okay, Lord, I I think you're trying to get my attention. (laughs) And so so I go to ASU, you know, believing, praying for revival. And and I I experienced something I've never experienced before. You know, I, I get there. And I was not prepared for the level of, of darkness, the level of temptation, the level of isolation that I experienced there for about three and a half years. I, I remember mm. feeling, often feeling like I was the only Christian on the campus, uh, even even in Christian gatherings and Christian club meetings. Um, I remember um, constantly being bombarded with temptation, uh, you know, just being overwhelmed by just the spiritual darkness over that campus. And so for three and a half mm. years, I would pray, you know, God send revival to ASU. And then in the next thought, in the next breath, I would ask the question, but Lord, how could you ever move in a place like ASU? 
Um, just to give a little context, ASU was at the time the number one party school in the nation. Uh, it was uh, the devil wa- uh, was and still is the mascot of ASU. Um, it was known as a pastors and missionaries graveyard uh, in an entire denomination, and they would actually warn pastors, "Don't try to plant at ASU because uh, you know nothing grows there whenever you try to plant uh, any kind of church or ministry." And and so, uh, so that, that's the kind of spiritual condition and just very hostile to Christianity. And so three and a half years just praying um, in this little chapel that was basically invisible on in the middle of campus. And then uh, and then what happened is God began to orchestrate something supernaturally. Students began to come together from different ministries. We began to pray. We began to share testimonies, just ask the question, what could God do if we united together and, and if we prayed together for for his spirit to move on this campus? Right. And, um, and I remember that first semester we were praying the Lord led us to do 24 hours of prayer um, out in the middle of campus. And so we set up a tent. The Lord highlighted scriptures in Isaiah about water in the desert, streams in the dry land. And so we started praying Mm -hmm. into that. Um, I remember at some point in the middle of that day, we began, we felt led to to sing this song. uh, And you you may be familiar with it. It's a song called Let It Rain. Uh, Michael W. Smith has sung it and others. And, And so we started just worshiping in the middle of campus, singing, you know, Let It Rain. God opened the floodgates of heaven. Well, what happened is in, in the middle of singing the song, the biggest torrential downpour of rain that we've ever seen in Arizona <laughs> begins to fall in that moment. And we're just totally blown away. We're like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? And right. it continues Chris, for the rest I, of the I, day. I, 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 want to, I need to interrupt you right yeah. now and uh, just do a station break. Yes. Um, for those who have tuned in, uh, recently, you're listening to The Kingdom and its stories, and we have Chris Nye, who's been working for a number of years at Arizona State University, and he's sharing the exciting journey that God has led him on, uh, on the campus of ASU, to see revival come. So, Chris, go ahead. Continue yeah. the story. Yeah, thank you. Um yeah, so the biggest torrential downpour of rain we've ever seen in Arizona begins to fall, continues for the rest of the day, and, and we just take it as, as an encouragement from the Lord, like keep going, keep praying, keep uniting. And so the next semester we get together, three days of prayer, um, somebody gets uh, gives their life to Jesus for the first time from a prayer meeting, which we didn't even know that could happen. Right. Uh, you know, totally, totally mind blowing to us. And, and then, then we end up doing seven days of prayer before the semester ends. And during that time, a young girl comes into the prayer meeting and students start praying for her and she uh, gets healed of skin cancer, just supernaturally. God touches her. The next Christ day man. she's crying, she's calling us. And so the Lord is, is, is starting to do some, some amazing things on the campus. Um, we get to the third semester and we felt like the Lord said, uh, it speaks to our hearts that he wanted us to do a whole month of 24-hour prayer. And so, um, you know, we never tried anything like that, but we're just stepping out in faith. Yes. Um, and I remember the first week we we, we do this, uh, uh, these 40 days of prayer, a man walks into the prayer tent, and the first thing he says, he's probably in his 40s, he's a student, the first thing he says is he asks, is there a counselor that I can talk to here because I'm planning on committing suicide today? And mm-hmm. and at that point, me and my sister were students, we, we look at each other and we said, you know, we'll, we'd love to listen. What's going on? And he just starts to open up about, you know, his uh, 
how he's struggling with drinking, how he'd gotten back into alcohol, how he was losing his family, his wife had kicked him out of his house and just didn't see any reason to keep to keep going on. And so we just started encouraging him, you know, hey, like the Lord loves you so much, you know, that he, like what you're experiencing, uh, that, that emptiness, only only Jesus can fill that. And so, uh, you know, at the, at the moment where we invite him, you know, do you want to receive Jesus in your life? Uh, he starts to get uncomfortable and he says, you know, well, hey, uh, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. I think I need to go to class now. And so we're, we're, we're bummed out. We're like, oh, God. But then we stop him. We say, hey, can we pray for you before you go? And so he's like, okay. And so we, we start praying for him. And as we're praying for him, the presence of God just comes down into this little 10 oh, by Christ. 10 tent. Uh, and we're just, we're, we don't even know what's going on, but we're blown away. We're like, God's doing something. Afterwards, we ask him, how are you doing? And he says, you know, the, the most amazing thing happened while you guys were praying for me. I felt all of that heaviness and all of that sadness just lift off of me. And like, and I feel really, really good right now. I feel really light. And uh, we're like, wow, praise God. Uh, and then at, at the end, he's, you know, he says, thank you guys so much. Woo. And he just shouts and he walks off. And so it's so at that point we're stunned. Like, did God just save a guy from suicide? Like what happened? Yeah, right. Wow. Um, you know, a week later we're in a prayer meeting. God takes over the prayer meeting. He's about 15 or 20 students just out in this little tent outside in the middle of campus. Up to this point, everyone's staring at, staring at us like we're crazy. Not many people are coming into this tent. It's really uncomfortable being there, but we're just, we're just try trying to be obedient and faithful. And then what happens is God takes over this prayer meeting one day and um, students began trembling and, and just like weeping and like, and just in the presence of God. Um, other students began praying with this passion we'd never seen them pray with before. Mm-hmm. And, and then at some point, without orchestrating it, we all started shouting. Out, out, we all started shouting at the top of our lungs out in this middle, the middle of this public university. And we started declaring. <laughs> at like, ASU. Yeah, ASU. Where, where the, uh, the mascot is the devil. <laughs> yeah, the, in, 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 in the middle of the, you know, the devil's territory, in the number one party school in the nation, in this pastors and missionaries graveyard. We just started shouting and declaring, like, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is victorious, you know, over ASU. And, right, and right. so for 15 or 20 minutes, we're just we're shouting. Like, this holy boldness comes over us. We're just declaring the, the kingship of Jesus over ASU and just who he is. And at some point in the midst of this, it, it's like the heavens just began opening up over ASU. And, and like, the atmosphere began to shift. And, and from that point on, we began to hear stories every single day of, of students giving their lives back to Jesus, mm. of students getting saved, coming to Christ for the first time, of just miracles happening. You know, I mean, just the, the most incredible stories. Uh, we, we just began to hear them. Uh, I mean, you know, all the ministries that were a part of it, they all start getting blessed. They start seeing salvation. Yeah. Um, we, we heard stories of students on their way to the, the student union to get food. And God would redirect their footsteps into this prayer tent and, and they wouldn't even know why they were there or what it was. And they would just start weeping and asking and people and Christ, students would share wow. the gospel with them, you know, and uh, one, one, one quick story I'll share with you too, is there was a, an atheist student who was reading a, a Christian book that someone had given him. And while he's reading it, the words became three dimensional, like supernaturally, just the words jumped out literally off the page uh, towards him. And mm. it so freaked him out that he ends up giving his life to Jesus and, uh, and only to find out he wasn't just any atheist on the campus. He was the student president 
of the atheist club at ASU. <laughs> and so he, he gets saved. He has to step down. And uh, and then the next guy gets in power. He was president of what? Of the atheist club on the campus. <laughs> he couldn't stay as president? Yeah, he. They, <laughs> I guess they, they must have had a rule about, <laughs> um, you know, so he steps down. The next guy gets some power, and then he ends up in the twenty-four hour prayer space, and he's he's like in tears, and he's asking students, oh, "How can I forgive? Like I, I don't know how how it's possible to forgive people, you know?" And and so they're sharing Jesus with him, and and we're, we begin hear, hearing stories of students that are suicidal, depressed, on their way to get drunk or high, and they stop in the prayer tent, and they get set free, and they get and they encounter Jesus, and and. And what we what we began to see is this holy boldness come over the body of Christ, and we just began to see um, the most depressed students become the most joyful students on the campus, and and the most broken became the most alive, you know, and and the shyest students became the ones that were chasing other students a- across the campus, literally like running after them just to ask if they could pray for them and 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 share oh, Jesus man. with them, and yeah. And and so so God really did something. And so so what happened is that that from that moment of breakthrough, just just ordinary students, you know, just coming together, praying, just getting hungry for God, this this six year season of revival began to happen at ASU, where where I mean, just just a move of God beyond any one ministry, any one person, uh, any of us. It was just God moving on the campus. And what Chris, it, I I don't know um, if if you can, but yeah. could you give us uh, just a sense of how many people have been impacted through this uh, revival in in the last. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been there twenty years, right? So it was about fifteen years. Yeah, fifteen um, years. Okay, so so since this began, how long did it? How long of preparation of prayer and preparation of you guys uh, was it? And then. Um, Maybe I'm I'm on the wrong track, but I'm just trying to get uh, a feel, you know, for you know what was the preparation, yeah, and how many, you know, what has been the impact? Yeah, um, great question. Um, so, um, yeah, amazingly, uh, the preparation was about about a year. Or so, you know, it was about just a year of of uniting, praying, growing in friendship together as as student leaders across ministries and. And just growing in vision for revival together, you know, and, and I would say that maybe half of us had a grid for what revival was. The other half didn't, but we're just along for the, the you know, along for the ride, excited for yeah. what God was doing. And, and how many of you were there? And so at that point, there was about 22 of us, I would say, that were meeting together weekly. And there was about seven ministries that were coming together um, for these seasons of prayer. And um, and so, um, yeah, so what happened is that, you know, we started off with about three to five of us the first semester you know, um, and then it, it grew the second semester, it grew to about 200 that were coming out to the, the seven days of prayer. And then the third semester, uh, we, we counted about 400 that came out for that, that season. So what happened is it was a season of 40 days, but we got to the end of it and nobody wanted to stop. And so we continued for to the end of the semester, about 53 days. Um, it ended up being featured in like the state newspaper and then it ended up going out in USA Today. Uh, and K Love and, and it was crazy, um, but but I would say that that in the years after that, there were probably there were probably thousands of students that came out um, because it was on the social center of campus. It was right there where all right. the, the clubs meet, all the demonstrations happen, 
And so when the, when God began moving, it kind of became this magnet where students started coming there from all over the campus. Mm. Uh, just, you know, eight agnostics were coming in just in case God was real and they wanted to leave prayer requests <laughs> there, you know. And um, but Just well, in case he was real. Yeah, I mean, just so many testimonies, like uh, so many amazing stories. I remember just the first year into this, there was over like 100 pages of testimonies of just, uh, you know, that we were hearing from students and from people that had come to the prayer tent. Um, I remember um, seeing an article. Chris, Chris yeah. we're, we're running out of time. Yeah, there's so and, much we can say. Yeah, we could go on for a long time. But there are a lot of people listening that are wondering, how, how could I be involved in this? You have 30 seconds. Yeah. What yeah, would you so, say to them? Yeah, so um, we are, uh, this year, we launched a united collaboration uh, known as Pray Campus America, uh, Friends Across the Nation, to uh, pray on college campuses and for college campuses uh, in this next year. And, and the goal is 24-7, uh, day and night, worship and prayer. And the goal is, is just seeing uh, families of revival raised up to pray for the next generation. And so um, there's two ways that we'd love to invite you to be a part of that. And one, we want to encourage you to gather friends, family, small group, church, ministry, and to set aside uh, you know, one, maybe one time a week or one time every other week or once a month. seconds. And, and pray for uh, a college campus near you or one that's close to your heart. And second, we want to invite you to sign up uh, on the website, pray, uh, praycampus.org. Uh, um, just go to the website, uh, click Join the Year of Prayer. And we want to uh, give you resources to pray for the next generation and, and to be a part of what God is doing on the campuses of America. Chris Knight, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you, brother. Thank you. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.